I've been wanting to talk about water baptism for some time. I've included parts of it in other teachings, but I want to do a, a, a total teaching on it. And so this is my promise to you. I'm not gonna teach it based on what my denomination teaches. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, it's just that it's not based on that. It's not gonna be based on my experiences or what I've heard people say about it or what I was told when I was a young man being baptized. I'm not basing any of this teaching on that. It's not based on my imagination. It's not based on a dream I've had. It's based on the Word of God. So let's work at it together. There's reference to the Old Testament when it comes to baptism. In the Old Testament, it was circumcision. It meant in the Old Testament, it's supposed to have meant anyway, it didn't always work, of course, but it meant um, because the flesh has been cut off and thrown in the garbage, it is now dead. And that's what I am supposed to be. I'm supposed to be dead to what I want. I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to listen to his prophets and his judges and obey the Lord. That was Old Testament understanding. The New Testament, water baptism is the equivalent to the Old Testament circumcision. And and there's quite a bit to be said about the comparison to the two. I'll touch on a few of them. But it was circumcision, and living up to that circumcision in the Old Testament, let me put it another way, it was an obedience to the commands of the Lord, which has to do with circumcision, because I'm not going to do what I feel, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. So it was because of that that they get into the promised land. Now, when Joshua was ready to go through the Jordan onto the promised land in the book of, of um, Joshua, we find the Lord saying to him in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Now, what he was saying was, you know, are no longer in Egypt, living as Egyptians do. Today I'm moving you away from that. Well, what was he doing to remove them? He was taking them through a baptism in the Jordan. They would go through like they did on the Red Sea or 40 years earlier. Now they're going through the Jordan. But this, this is a different baptism than the one they had when Moses brought them through at the Red Sea just outside of Egypt. But we know that in the Old Testament it didn't work. Circumcision didn't work. People still did what they wanted to do. And eventually the 10 tribes of Israel went into captivity and pretty well disappeared for many um, such centuries, I guess I could say. The um, Judah went in a number of years later to the Babylonian captivity. It was brought back 70 years later. And are there, still there, when Jesus came upon the earth. Today, we still have the same requirements. Die to what you want to do. 
live for what Jesus wants you to do. And many places in Scripture, he then says, so that it will be well with you. Let me put that into everyday language. When I walk in obedience to the Lord, he has a better way for us than what we do. He has better plans for us than what we do. He sees ahead so he knows what to ask and tell us to do so that life will be better, so that it may be well with you is a, a wonderful phrase that I had to say at one point in my life, I'm sick and tired of the way I've handled my life. It's now time that I give the Lord a chance to handle my life. And the last 45 years has been a wonderful experience with the Lord. Yes, trials, yes, there's some mountaintops and some valleys that we've been through, but by and large, it has been well with me and with my family. So I thank the Lord for that. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Let's stop there. If you know of people that think, well, you need to be circumcised today according to the law of Moses, you say, well, how come Paul says in that verse it has no value? And we're talking about the physical circumcision of the Old Testament. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So in the New Testament, we live by faith. Now let me explain. The faith I'm talking about is where I trust God to look after me and get me through this, this um, life that I'm living in the best possible way. There will be testings. There will be trials. Those are there to help us. As Andre Crouch in his song said through it all, he says, how could we know that God could solve problems if we never had any? I think that's a man that experienced some. I know he did. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, in him you were also circumcised, in the putting off of the old sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of man, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So Paul there is clear to the Colossian church, and they had a tendency, you see, to be going back into the old Jewish law to try to look religious, try to look righteous, Paulus said, listen, here's the circumcision we're talking about right now. When you went into water baptism, you were saying, I die to my old way of life. I'm dying to the what I want, my visions, my dreams. I want to have Jesus' vision, his dreams, his life in me, his leadership. I want him to manage my life from now on through the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, when you go into the, into the river to be baptized or the tank or whatever it is that you may have used, when you go in there, you are saying, 
I have died to my former way of life. I've died to all the lifestyle, all that stuff that was not godlike. And I'm dead now. I'm being buried. And when I come up out of that water, I am a new creation. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Now, baptism is one of the elementary teachings, one of the first teachings we should have when we get converted. Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2. And I might add, Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2, there's a, a marvelous book that focuses on those two verses for discipleship. Because if this is the elementary doctrine, you need to get a hold of what the foundational teachings are in the Christian faith. Now, I recommend that book. It's by Derek Prince. You can find him at DerekPrince.org. Uh, even Google will find him, Derek Prince, he's a Bible teacher. And the, and the book is simply a foundational teaching based on Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Let's read it. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. So he calls them elementary. He says, you're not going to mature until you understand them. And then he says, we, we shouldn't have to lay again the foundation of repentance. But I'll tell you, in many Christian lives, might have been sitting in a church for 20 years and they still don't understand some of this stuff. We need to lay a foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God's instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All those things included in Derek Prince's book help you understand the elementary things. It's like getting started in grade one and grade two, learning the basic principles of what education requires. And so out of, out of that book, you can start to find people maturing. We have used that book about three times with different groups of new Christians and even some older ones that had never been taught. And I'm excited to say many of them are stronger today and second generation. And now today just heard even third generation who weren't even in those classes that we taught are doing well because the parents took it home and lived it. And it's worked in the next generation and now in third generation as well. We need to do water baptism and repentance are basically tied together. I know the church doesn't, but I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the Word of God and what it says. Mark chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So John came, that's John the Baptist, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins and were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Follow now. John the Baptist didn't see it as two steps, getting saved, getting baptized. To him, there were one step, the two things are involved, but they're one step. And then he, there was a third one that's added, and that's confession. Repentance means, I am sorry, Lord, I've hurt you. 
I want to turn away from this lifestyle and serve you. Secondly, I'm willing to bury this body which wanted its own way, but now I say to that old flesh of mine, you don't have your way anymore. We now are going to walk in the way of the Lord. Thirdly, when I get out there, I'm going to stand and I'm going to humble myself by confessing to the people, all of Jerusalem, Judea, that's a lot of people. I'm going to stand there and confess my sins. That's why when we get baptized, it's good to have an audience, your friends, your relatives, your workmates, your schoolmates, whoever. Confessing your sins, you humble yourself in front of them. And God says, if you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. He said, if you humble yourself by confessing your sins, I will give you mercy. He's opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. Don't forget that. And we all need his grace. We need to be obedient to the command of scriptures to be baptized. John the Baptist knew he needed to be baptized. Listen to what he said when Jesus came to him. Matthew 3, verses 13 to 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus saying, if you want to stand righteous before the Lord, you will obey what he's calling you to do. What's he calling? Just to go in and get wet and go back and change? No. He's calling us to lay down our lives. Say, I don't own me anymore, Father. You've sent your son. He paid the price. The scripture is clear that I belong to him because he not only created me in my mother's womb, then he redeemed me after the devil stole me. And you see, he, he owns me, but I can constantly rebel against that ownership or I can yield to it, and that's where it will be well with you. What a wonderful plan. I love it. So Jesus said, John, in order for me to do what the Father has told me to do, I'm coming down into that lake, and we're going to be baptized. He didn't say, John, just get a little bit of water and sprinkle me on it, because that is not what the Bible teaches. Even the Ethiopian eunuch, that Philip met and talked to him about Isaiah and led him to the Lord. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, here's some water, lots of water. Let's get baptized. They went down. Jesus went down into the water. Let me explain to you what the word baptism literally means. It means to be submersed in, to be filled with. I imagine a picture of a, of a wooden boat that sank. It's in the bottom of the lake for months, maybe years. It is full of water. The wood is saturated with water. That's what baptism means. I go down in and come back up. Now, we're already full of water, but we need to 
do what burial is, you see. I've been at a number of funerals, and I know that when they bury a person, they don't just set him up in a corner somewhere and sprinkle some dirt on his head. They bury him. And so that's what the word baptism means. Matthew 20, verse 19, this is Jesus again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is at the end of his ministry. He's talking to the apostles. He said, make disciples of all nations. Let me stop. That means they need to be taught how to be a Christian. If you, if you wanted to be an electrician, you had to be taught. You didn't just grab some, some tools and go out and start doing it. You'd get your hair curled that way of maybe a funeral. If you wanted to be a doctor, you have to be trained. If you want to be a teacher, you have to be trained. If you want to be a Christian, you have to be trained. That's why you need somebody to disciple you. And that book I mentioned earlier, The Foundational Teaching of Derek Prince, if you can't get somebody to disciple you, you order that book and you work through it in prayer. Don't just read it through. Work through it in prayer. Ask the Lord to give you an understanding of, of the foundational requirements of being a Christian. You need it. I've, in the years of ministry, we've come across so many evangelicals, especially Christians, in the church for years, and there's a lot of basic stuff they've totally never have been taught, and that's why they're having trouble. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, in the book of Acts, people, it's recorded 10 different times people being baptized. Wouldn't you think it must be important for the Holy Spirit to record and tell us 2,000 years later, 10 times we've baptized people, sometimes hundreds of them. Now, this is a touchy part, but I'm just going to stick to Scripture. So please don't tune me out if you don't believe in it. You need to understand what Scripture says about this, not just something you've heard. This is John chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 3 and verse 5, and it's about Nicodemus. He's the little guy that got up in the tree. And Nicodemus... Um, was saying some things, how can you be born again type things, and Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus answered in verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now, that has been used by people to say, oh, that's the water from your mother when she broke water. Absolutely not. We're not talking about being entered into the world, being born. We're talking about entering into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus here is saying, when you want to enter into the kingdom of God, would you want to live in his grace and his mercy and a forgiven, where you're forgiven for your sin, you must be born of both water and spirit. It's the spirit that brings the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. It's the water that does a number of things, wash it away. For one thing, I'm going to cover some more later on.
Why don't we just accept the word of God? Why have so many people taught contrary to this? I've heard them say from pulpits, water baptism doesn't save you. I'm going to show you from scripture in a few minutes that they were wrong. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Paul says to Titus, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us, listen, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That exactly agrees with what Jesus said back in John 3 to Nicodemus. We're born, we're born of the water and of the Spirit. Jesus here through Paul is saying we're washed in our rebirth and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Renewed means converted. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not the way I used to be. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I think I should read 5 and 6 once more. Listen to Titus 3, 5, and 6. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Doesn't that coincide with what Jesus said in John 3, 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. End of argument. It is. That's what the Bible says. I'm not telling you what I've, I've dreamed one night or what I sensed one day. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And until we get this thing about water baptism straight in our minds, we are not living in the benefit, which I'm going to tell you about later. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do now? This is the day of Pentecost. And they heard all this stuff. They saw all this stuff as an outpouring of the Spirit. They heard them speaking in tongues. Some of them even understood the language, which was unusual because tongues generally is a language from the Father that no one understands, but there are exceptional times. She says, they said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied in verse 38, they're saying, what do we have to do to be saved? Okay, what do we have to do? He says, repent and be baptized. He didn't say repent and then someday if it suits you down the line, you find some water. Be no, he said repent and be baptized. That's how you'll be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That comes after two things, repentance and baptism. The forgiveness of sins comes after that. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That does not necessarily at exactly the same time because there's two times in the book of Acts where people received it quite a while after as the Holy Spirit, but it's a different baptism that he's talking about there. Mark 16, 16. This is Jesus again. Whoever believes and is baptized... 
Notice, you believe and are baptized are saved, will be saved. So Paul constantly, Peter constantly, Jesus constantly saying these things, repentance, believing, having faith, and water baptism is what's going to save you. I'm going to explain to you in a minute that there is a difference between what the blood of Jesus does and water baptism does. Now, what are we waiting for? This was in Acts 22. What are you waiting for? This is Ananias, the, the apostle, pardon me, the disciple that baptized Saul, who later became Paul. But he knew the urgency of getting rid of the old carnal nature, getting rid of the old self, the self-will, the self-determination, the self-management. He knew the need. And so he said to Saul, he said, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now Saul was saved out in the Damascus Road. We have to believe that because he fasted from that moment on and he wouldn't have anything to do with, with, with going back to the old Jewish law. He was waiting for the next step that the Lord had for him. And the Lord sent Ananias to pray for him about three days later. But what's Ananias saying to him here? There's a washing that water baptism is doing, will do for you. We need to do it now, not a month from now after, you, after we've seen whether you're going to hang in there or not, or six months from now to see if you go back to your old way of life. He says, no, we're doing it now. Because when you do it now, you're saying, I've repented and said, I don't want to live my life anymore. I want to live for Jesus. So therefore, I'm going to go through the physical motion of being buried so I can be brought back up again to a new life. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, Ananias said? What are you waiting for, brothers and sisters? Have you repented of your sin? Have you made a decision that you want to live for Jesus and not live for yourself anymore? It's time you said, I will get baptized. You don't have to have a mighty spiritual person to baptize you. Bible never says that. He says to the disciples, just go baptize people. Get a friend. You've got the understanding. That's what's important. That's what's needed is a clear understanding of what baptism's about. Go out and get somebody to baptize you. A pastor that heard this back many years ago when I was teaching on it. He had his young son there. I think his son was about 17 years old. And he was a pastor in the Evangelical Church. And he had the water sprinkled on his head when he was younger. And he said to his son after the meeting was over, tomorrow we were down to the river and we're going to baptize each other. And his son has told me since about that. And both of them, his father's died now, but his son is serving the Lord and serving the Lord with a great effect. And his father, would you please just touch some hearts here? We have to finish this in second part, but would you please, Lord God, touch people's hearts in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would lead them to leave their old life 
and follow you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.